Welcome, Welcome to, to the Better, Better Call Daddy Show. This is Big Daddy. Oh my God, that's hysterical. You're not going to believe this. Oh, oh my God. God. Five stars. Five and a half stars. Papa. My dad is my hero. Grandpa, are you ready? I love a good happy ending. Oh boy. Hey, hey, The phony baloney. And a tit for tatter. Hey, a lot of these things, I don't know where you're getting them from. It sounds like they're coming from when I look in the mirrors. Damn the public. Damn the public. <laughs> Introducing Adam Hooper. He has fathered 21 children due to sperm donation, and he wants to be involved in their lives and make them one big happy family. Adam, welcome. I've got the donor daddy in the house. I am so excited for this. (laughs) How are you? Good, yourself? Good. So I asked my audience (laughs) what kind of questions they had for you. I want to pull from some of those because they're pretty fun. Okay, cool. If 23andMe family tree page freezes for you. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, I've done 23andMe. I've done Ancestry and all the genetic ones out there. And it's funny because they all have a different perception of where you are, like a different background. Some think you're more German and French and some say you're more Swedish or, or Nordic. And then one of them even thinks I've got like 1% Colombian in me, which came out of nowhere compared to all the other ones. So <laughs> it's... I still think they're trying to work that out, all that sort of stuff. It's interesting, though. What motivated you to want to find out where you were from and all of that? I guess there's a lot of sperm banks in the Nordic regions up there, you know, the Viking regions and and all that, the Danish and stuff. And, you know, a lot of women and people that are looking for donors, they will ask you what your ancestry is. And you're like, oh, good question, you know, like, because you only know so far back unless you're doing your family tree yourself. So, and this way as well, it puts me on record. So if any children want to join the database and they can see, and, you know, a lot of, some of them do your um, genetic traits, whether or not you like chocolate over vanilla or your second toe is bigger than your big toe. And, you know, and it's all pretty accurate as well. Like, it's like, wow, like hitting a lot of those answers there with 23 and me. And then there's ones that do your genetic testing as well that tell you if you've got any bad genes and stuff like that. So it's, it's just peace of mind. And yeah, and I think it's a bit interesting along the way as well. I like the science behind it and it's just fascinating. So since you mentioned sperm banks and sperm donors, you yourself have 21 kids that you have donated your sperm to and have come into fruition? Yeah, that's how the New Zealand Herald on the recent article reported it as. But I've made it very clear because I run a community, Sperm the Nation World. I've got Sperm the Nation USA, which is about 16,000 members. Sperm the Nation Australia, which is over 12,000 members. And then we've got a few small communities out there as well. The way I've set the community up is is we don't want it to be like a numbers game where guys are competing against guys trying to say, I've got more kids than you and, and all that sort of thing. So we try to keep it all true stick. But the women that do ask me if, you know, they want me to be their donor, they want a sort of a ballpark figure, so to speak, of, you know, roughly how many. Because I, I don't believe in numbering the kids, that the kids should be looked at as a number or, or thought of as a number. If you grew up as a donor conceived person and you were just seen as number 21 or number 22, like, you know, for them, it's like, it takes a bit off their identity and life thinking that they may be considered just a number. Yeah. So basically I've got a list and, uh, you know, when you've helped like three or four families, you know, it's like when you have one or two kids, you know, you've got two kids, but as you have more and you're not consciously numbering them. Yeah. So I've got around 15 families that have helped. Some of them have had siblings now. Some of them are asking for siblings now. 
I've been doing this for seven years since 2014 or the end of 2014 started looking into it. My first year, I probably had the most children out of all. Since then, I've more been so running the community and trying to inspire other men to become donors. I believe there should be that ability for the child to reach out if they have those questions that they want answers. The way that sperm banks are set up in America in particular, it's sort of very anonymous and all that. And it's all well and good for parents to be thinking, oh, well, you know, we don't want the donor to have a big part of the life. But when the child keeps asking them questions like, and they don't have any answers, that only leads to more and more questions to, to where they go out searching for them, where they, it comes an obsession and a fascination that's built over many years rather than answered right then and there. So I'm a big advocate of known donors. Tomorrow, I'm going for breakfast with a few of the families and, you know, catch up. They're going to meet, some of the siblings are going to meet each other for the first times. It's a bit of fun. What does that feel like? I guess if you're introverted or extroverted, you know, everyone's going to have a different opinion on this, you know, like, but when you see the children, they have an instant connection. So for instance, I had a family that lived in Fremantle and one that lived in Allenbrook, which was you know, that's about an hour away from each other. And then she's got a new girlfriend and she's moved out to Allenbrook and they happen to go to the same daycare as each other, these two boys. And out of all the children in the class, they became the best friends without knowing each other first. One of the mothers said, hey, the so-and-so moved down this way because I just went to go pick my kid from school and he's playing with one of the other boys. And I was like, yeah, she didn't, she didn't update me she moved down there, but yep, that's them. Yeah, so they, you know, they're naturally drawn and gravitated together because I don't know this is I don't know I don't know about the special energies in in the world and all that sort of stuff, but it's it's, it's pretty cool. But like, yeah, the, the thing is about known donors is they had the ability to ask me, and that was confirmed. Whereas at a clinic, they wouldn't know. Wow. Yeah. So, what are the differences between going through a clinic and being a part of your community? Well, it's different. You know, every culture is different. It's funny seeing in Australia how. I developed this now that we're more, it's more popular here. Like, cause we're looking at the ratio, you know, obviously America has 300, 300 million plus people and Australia has about 30 million. So, you know, got 10 times the amount of population, but you see the culture of the sperm banks over there. It's all embedded. You know, you see celebrities going and using sperm banks and, but when you freeze stuff, you freeze food, you know, and you reheat food and you defrost it and you eat it. It's never as good, you know, like for the freezing process Well, it's basic science. The freezing process is never as good, but because we see everyone doing it, you know, we, we're humans, we're sheep, we follow. And so, so in America has got a big culture of worrying about being sued or the donor's going to steal my baby and the mother's going to want child support. And the reality is with the 16,000 members we've got in the uh, Spending Nation USA group, you know, it hasn't happened. You know, you do see the odd story in America. You've got 300 million people, no doubt. So there's always going to be a story about anything that happens. But the majority of these stories happen was no different to a divorce or a breakup. You know, if you pick a known donor who is a family friend and things come uncomfortable and there's a bit of bitterness and a bit of resentment, that's when complications uh, happen. But, you know, if you keep it cool, pick a donor that's got his own kids, living his own life, doesn't mind catch-ups or speaking or just, you know, it could just be an email or a message, oh, hey, hey, my kids ask this about you or my kid is asking to speak to you or, you know, everyone's different. Everyone's got different levels of comfort. I'm just free-flowing. 
I don't put any expectations on, on the parents. I let everyone live their own lives. But, you know, we're looking at the psychological uh, data now that's coming in of, of these donor conceived people. And a lot of them quite messed up from not been having these questions answered to them as they're growing up when they need to know those questions as they've been raised. So it's good to have that option out there. Wow. Okay. Can we back up just a little too and like, tell me about you as a kid and a little bit of like your personal story. You were married and you have two of your own children. Yeah. So I love sport every day. I was playing basketball, playing indoor soccer, indoor cricket, even indoor netball, any, anything I could do, I'd play. Like if someone was playing something, I'd be out there playing, you know? So I had a group of friends that we always did. And that meant like straight after school, you go play sport. But, you know, the interest was sport was my number one interest. And, uh, you know, so school wasn't as important to me. So I always looked at what I needed to get just to pass and made sure that I passed, but without excelling because I wanted to play sport. But, you know, the funny thing was I was an, a natural uh, A-grade student in health you know, but back then being a boy and being muscular and, you know, being around teenage testosterone, you know, you know, you don't feel like what can a guy do in health, you know, that's manly and considered cool, you know, so it's not something I really looked into. And it's not until now, like I created this sperm donation world community that I realized that, you know, I'm fascinated by, you know, like I've changed my diets from keto to I've done vegan because you see all these studies and science and all that, but they're all paid by companies to, you know, put their little spin or their, what their angle is on the market. So you really need to do things yourself to actually see if things work or what doesn't work. And there's a lot of doctors that tell people advice. You know, I used to say, you know, at the very early stages of it all, like a fertility doctor said this and another person said, well, a fertility doctor said that. And I'm like, well, hang on. One of them's, one of these fertility experts has got to be wrong here because they're saying totally different things. You know, so since I've been doing this, it makes you realize how much of science and how much some of these professionals that have done this work are not as professional as, as we presume, you know, like, you know, I love the science and learning myself and having my own personal opinion on all this as well. How did you even come to become a sperm donor? I was at work function, my ex-wife's work function. She worked with a lesbian lady and she brought her partner down there and they were talking about, you know, how hard it is to have children and, and all that sort of stuff and, you know, how they, they want children. And I was thought, well, at that stage we had one and that one was on the way. I thought that, that I'm mentally strong enough. You know, there's a lot of good people out there that would love children. So I looked into the idea of donating sperm because obviously they said they were, they were looking into it themselves. Back in 2014, there wasn't really much information on there and, uh, you know, it hasn't grown to what it is grown to now, you know, especially with my community that I've set up as the, as the forefront leader and all that sort of stuff now with the information available and, you know, the community where people can ask each other questions and all that. But there wasn't much out there. And naturally, you think as a sperm donor, you got to go to a sperm bank or to become a donor, you donate for a sperm. And I had my own two children by then. So I'm thinking, how do I protect my two children from incest if I don't know who... I'm donating to because naturally I was looking at a clinic that's going to be close to my home. And then I thought, well, that's probably what most people are doing is picking a clinic that's close to their home. So you'd be the same donors and people going to the same schools and that. And then I thought, well, they could be going to then my child's school 
and then they wouldn't know who they are. So yeah, I didn't feel comfortable with that. And then I thought as well, there's a lot of good people out there and then there's a lot of bad people out there and bad people have money too, just as much as good people. And, you know, it's lucky dip on who gets your sperm. I thought, well, I'd rather be comfortable in knowing who I pick and then picking me vice versa. You know, that way when the child wants to ask or meet, they're more comfortable with that rather than not knowing who the other person is. You know, like for instance, I've spoken to women before that used a clinic donor and they've gone, oh, we went and met the donor and not what we expected. And it was very awkward and, you know, but pick someone that you're not awkward with to begin with. Have you seen similarities between your children with different people yeah it's interesting i mean look my eldest daughter she's a bit of a tomboy and the other one's a bit of a little princess so you know i think personalities you know i think personalities are very random everyone's unique and different in their own way there's some people have a you know they straight their hair and and people said that in donor stories as well like where they've talked about comparing their own donor siblings as adults and they say oh, i always do this and they go oh i always do that too you know like so stuff like that But in terms of the mind, you know, I think it's completely random. I mean, unless someone's got like schizophrenia or autism runs strong in the family or Spurgeous and stuff like that. Apart from that, I think, you know, it's totally different. It's hard to say because it's still all very young. My children, they grew up before they met any of them from from a very young age. I told them, you know, you got half brothers and half sisters out there, you know, like siblings and siblings or whatever like the terminology they want to call it. But as a, they didn't understand all that, you know, because they feel like a sister or a brother is someone that lives with you that, you know, that you see, you know, so for, for many years, they thought I was talking shit. <laughs> Plus you know, they don't they know get... how babies come about. No, they don't. And I don't think they still have asked me that question. <laughs> no, look, they've met a few of them now and they don't want to go home when we say, come on, it's time to go now. And the recent one that I met, uh, that's what who we're meeting again because her two-year-old, she keeps asking to see her sisters, my, my, my two daughters. So, you know, ever since we met a few weeks ago. So it's good for them, you know, it's good for them to have that bond and relationship, you know, because I feel, you know, everyone feels that, oh, you know, if you have too many brothers and sisters, you have to be involved with them. You have to be best friends with them but the reality is a lot of people have one or two brothers or sisters and they don't get along with any of them now like you see the ones with large amount siblings that are, are sad and upset and traumatized and they're sad because they got lied to from the parents that they didn't know that there was any siblings to begin with so now with all these 23 and me's out there now the people are getting caught so we've worked out that that's not the best idea to do things and even the doctors didn't realize that the sperm banks over in america they're getting caught out now as well yeah, we want to make it easy for our children being able to be contacted in some way or another is probably better than picking an anonymous. Are you done donating or are you still open to doing more? It's not a focus. When I was going to go to New Zealand, obviously the media got hold of that and they got free weights over there now to find a donor because they don't import sperm internationally. And all these women are like 35 years plus, you know, 38, 39 and being told they got to wait another three years before they can find a donor. You know, pushing them out to 42, 43, that's potentially missing out on their chance of ever being mothers. Had a lot of compelling stories come through. And I said, well, we spoke a bit, some of them, and some of them are really good people. If I can help on my passing by, you know, without going out of my way too much. Yeah, it'd be nice to help some, you know, really good people there as well. Do you do any natural insemination? 
No, I, I like to. So obviously I started doing it artificially when I obviously was married. I've just kept it that way because I don't want the children to see it as they were born because someone wanted sex. Does that make sense? Like, you know, I don't want to cheapen it. So for me, it's just easy to keep it that way. I mean, look, I, I know some people struggle on dating apps and stuff like that, but I get plenty of offers and I'm just like, well, you know, but I can't risk getting any STDs because I can't pass these on, I pass it on to these people. So yeah, my sex life is pretty boring. You know, I tell people to pick the method that, you know, they're comfortable with. And we have in our community, you, you will write your method that you're willing to do. So it's clear and transparent. And if someone contacts you with the method that you're not willing to do, then they will get banned because they're a bit disrespecting what you put out there. How so methods are there? Well, you know, there's people that have fertility issues that they want a known donor, but they require to go to a clinic. So they'll find the known donor online okay, and then take him to the clinic. I went over to Denmark and donated to a lady. So I had to go to the clinic and, and drop some vials off there. When you go and do your business, you know, you, if you go into someone's house or, you know, you get given the spare room to, to do it or at a hotel, you're like, okay. But when you go into a clinic, you're like, oh, thousands of men have just walked in here 10, 15 minutes ago. You know, it's like, and you're like, don't touch anything like <laughs> I don't know how anyone could be a clinic donor I mean I did a did it once over there but you know some of these guys are doing it for years you know they set these clinics up outside uh, the universities so these kids can get pocket money for the weekend is because a lot of these children grow up to become adults and they then reach out to them and then they say sorry dude I just did this for money like I don't care about you and then that really destroys them you know like it really breaks their heart that you know because everyone wants to feel that Oh, my donor did out the kindness of his heart to help families. And, you know, that's what you, you hope for as a donor can see person. But then to come back and hear your donor say to your face that, sorry, I only did it, get some money, you know, to party on the weekends. That's heartbreaking, shattering for them. Have you gotten paid? No, I, I don't do it for pay. I've had my, um, my flights covered to Denmark and, and stuff like that, you know, but I've sacrificed my work. So I'm not getting paid by my work. Yeah, I haven't made money from flying anywhere or anything. I probably, you know, it probably branches out breaking even, I guess, at the end. It's fascinating. You, you fly to another country and, you know, you meet their family. They should take you around and show what school the child's going to go, go to and the area they're going to live in and just soaking it all in because this place is all new to you as well. It's a good feeling because when the child gets born and, and then is old enough to talk to you, you're like, oh yeah, I remember you. I remember that area that you you went to, you know, you can sort of visually imagine it in your, your head when, when people are telling you stories. I really enjoy embracing different cultures and stuff like that as well. So when I'm there, it's sort of not just a holiday, it's sort of taking it all in and seeing how a person from an international country is going to be born and raised in a certain area. What did your sperm donation profile look like? And another thing too, is there like levels of sperm count? Like, is that something that you disclose? You yeah. would be flown out to Denmark if you didn't have a high sperm count. Well, it comes down to the mums, really. I mean, my sperm count when I'm on a really good diet is over 1 billion. Simon Watson from England, who has over 900 children, he's at 500 million, and that's considered exceptionally high. So it's double that again. You know, you want to make, because like you fluctuate. And, and also when I was doing different diets from keto to vegan, you know, I noticed that when I was doing vegan, like it was really high and really 
you know, really working well in terms of actual conception and the egg getting fertilized. And but the, the miscarriage rate was the highest I had. I had more miscarriages in that six months than I did in my six years prior donating. On the vegan so, diet? Yeah. And that's something that I had to see for myself because I was completely open-minded about this. And then in terms of everyone that I was helping getting pregnant straight away, I was thinking, oh, this is great. And then all of a sudden, a couple of weeks later, I've lost it. I wasn't really taking my Amiga free oils and, and stuff then. You know, there's a lot of ingredients that you, you take. In there, I've got about 10 to 15 capsules I take per day. Um, they all do certain different, different things. But for me, it's really important that, you know, I'd hate for a child to be born disabled from my health. You know, it's not what I, what I do it for. And then for me to be a known donor and see someone suffering with a child that's obviously requires a lot of, of attention and a lot of stress and yeah, it'd be hard. You know, so for me, it's really important to eat the right stuff. It's really important to take the right supplements and vitamins. That way I can walk away with peace of mind that if something ever did happen to a child that I did my best in terms of preparing my DNA quality in my sperm, having all the right ingredients, I can say, well, I wouldn't feel as bad, I guess. But in terms of, you know, IQ, you know, it could be a different, you know, some people go, oh, I'll get pregnant, you know, but it could be a different child could be a few IQ points higher from you know from these right ingredients you know you just don't know like the science behind it is well we don't know much about it but there's i think every little bit counts towards having a healthy child and a child that might live for longevity as well how are you going to date in the future when would you even disclose that i mean do you want to get married again you know obviously what i'm doing now the reason why i was going to go to new zealand was because that was the only place open to australia for travel and then that got canned had shut down because New South Wales got Sydney, got lots of COVID recently. So New, New Zealand went up, oh, shut down, even though where I am, it's COVID free and, and all that still. And so I was like, oh, well, New Zealand's pushing out to three-year waits. I can go there and help them, promote them. But there's TV producers. It's only going to be too long before HBO or Netflix do a series. You know, they're always questioning and, and scouts looking out and stuff like that and you know with my expertise in this field now and, and and having the large database that I have you know people are coming to me asking questions and offering potential producer associate producer roles and and all that sort of stuff so you don't know where the future is going to take you in this really growing in industry if I had a woman that's really supportive of that or, or wanted to come along and who's driven because the fact is right now it takes up a lot of my time doing this. When you meet someone for the first time, you know, it's sort of, you need to give them a lot of your attention to begin with. And then obviously once it dies down, then you can sort of go do your thing. So for a lady now to come across, they've got to be really have their own independence, do their own thing as well, see what I'm doing. You know, there's a lot of single women in these communities in Australia. Like, I mean, we don't use the community as a dating site, but a lot of these women who are obviously looking for a donor in here would have no problems dating a donor, you know, because they obviously see that as a good thing and a good person doing it, as opposed to someone that is against using a donor would probably be, oh, well, I wouldn't want to date a donor, so, so to speak. What do Just, your parents think? I think most parents are quite old school, but they're, they're very conservative. You know, they're all, at the beginning, they're all worried about oh, what about your will? Or what about this? What about child support? You know, like, they're, you know, they're very tight with their wallets in terms of budgeting and, and, and 
you know, forecasting plans and, and now they're just grey nomading it around in, in a big camper van around Australia, you know, avoiding COVID. But they haven't met any of the Doan children. You know, they, they've got their own grandchildren. They're quite happy with that. They don't really ask any questions about it. They know, Obviously, they know what I do. They've seen me on TV. But our relationship hasn't changed. It's sort of just not a topic of discussion that we particularly have do you have any siblings i've got one sister and a couple of half brother sister out there but they were quite a different age gap and they live over in another side of the country so we really haven't had much to to do with them you gotta go into this knowing who you are and how you're going to feel and and ask yourself a few questions before becoming a donor what questions should you ask yourself? If you're a person that is clingy or you miss people or you feel like you get attached, like, you know, you know, if you, you're a person that goes on a date and you fall in love straight away and you, you know, you're ah, what, stage five clinger or whatever they call them. You know, if you know that, then you might have that personality that you might feel attached to a child, you know, so you've got to sort of look at who you are as a person and say, can I do this or can I not? And and then from there, you start ticking boxes and, and then you go for it. Because I mean, my main consideration for me was, was about, as I said before, was how can I protect my children from incest and stuff like that? So going for a clinic route was definitely not an option for me. That could have, you know, if there wasn't any online donor options out there, that could have ruled me out from ever being a donor. How did you go from like, I want to help this couple to like, this is my mission. I want to grow a community. I'm changing people's lives. So back then, online donation was really unregulated. Like there was no really one moderating it. So I thought, well, this is the way I want to do it. And I want to know people, but some of these people on here are just doing it for sex or doing it for not intentions that are pure. I wanted to be be able to say I'm proud of being a donor. Now I want to be say that I'm proud that I've been able to help some really good families start their fa- their family. I don't want it to be a taboo, shameful thing. I saw a lot of men joining that you know had good backgrounds, good degrees, and you know well educated, and they come in and they look to donate, and then they leave straight away. And I sent a couple of private messages saying, "Hey, like I just saw you join, and you know you seem like a really good person that could help people. How come you left?" And they would say, oh, well, you know, it's something I thought I could do, but I don't really want to be associated with some of these people on here. You know, if you say you're a donor, you don't want to be seen as put into the same category as, as a person doing it with ill intentions. You know, you want to be able to say it and say it with pride. And that really made sense because that's sort of something that stuck with me. And I thought, I need to clean this up. You know, we need to do it so we can attract good men to become donors, you know, good people that want to help. So I created my first community and people like, I was umming and ahhing for ages because I knew what my personality was like. I knew if I do something, I've got to do it right. I've got to do it properly. It's got to be the best. It's got to excel compared to anything else out there. And I knew that takes a lot of time and effort. And at that time, I just finished my last mission because I hand built all my backyard and made limestone walls and sunk a spa in it and made a big barbecue and checked that all out and I did all that. And I thought, okay, what's my, my next project? That was my next project was, I thought, well, I'll clean this up. And that's what I did. So the people, I knew who all the bad people were from day dot. It was a lot smaller back then. There was only like 30 people in the community and stuff like that. You know, it was really tiny. And uh, so I knew who, who wasn't going to be in. And then from then onwards, everyone got screened in the Australian group. And from then onwards, 
like women used to speak to you as if like you're a criminal, you know, because there was so many dodgy characters speaking to them to begin with. And now we've seen the culture and that change, whereas people have read the articles, they've seen the media online, they've, you know, they've listened to the podcasts, you know, they've done the research, the website's there now, we've got kits available on the on the website that people can buy. So people who don't have no idea and the step-by-step instructions on how to do it. So yeah, it's already set out for people now. So people are coming in and they're feeling more comfortable. And as I said before, with IVF and, and, and American culture with the, the clinics you know we're essentially all sheep we all see people do it so when we see start to see more and more people do it this way we're jumping on board with that now we're asking less questions because it's been going for seven years now and we haven't had any horror stories do you feel like they are your sons or daughters I love to see them do well. Like when they show, you know, they they send me pictures of them at the birthday parties and they got like the whole room's full of presents and that. And you see the smile on their face when they're driving around these little cars and scooters they got now and they're cruising along and they're smiling. It warms your heart because you see that they're doing well. Their parents are doing well. That's what it's about. Like I don't see them as my own children because obviously I'm raising, you know, I've got a responsibility for my own children. You do feel a connection with the people that you've helped in some sort of way, unique way, because obviously you know they you've trusted them to take part of your DNA and put, you know, like they picked you and you picked them, created a child from it. So we're all here from generations of people's actions. You know, when you look at it from an ancestral point of view, it's pretty cool. And there's obviously there is a connection. I know that some of these children are gonna just from looking and, and doing research into donor conceived people over the years. I know there's some that are going to want to be my best friend or some that want to hang out more or or some that are not interested. I'm very open-minded and I'm going to respect what they want. Obviously, being a donor that's donated and, and obviously put myself out there to do that, I did it with the consensus and understanding that is a realistic expectation that these, these people born from my help might need. And then obviously, if that's something... I wasn't open to then probably I shouldn't have been a donor to begin with because I think if you're going to help people be born you don't want them to be growing up with any trauma I have another funny question but you said that your ex-wife said you had girly sperm how many boys do you have I've got more boys than girls I think I went on a run of like seven boys in a row at one stage and then I think it is 50 50 though I think I think it is just completely random there might be small influences in terms of timing you know artificial insemination got less of a window because it's exposed to oxygen and light and that's so they don't live as long whereas if you donated you know a few days prior then the girl sperm that actually they reckon it's like the hair and the tortoise you know the the boys swim quick but they die fast where the girls swim slower but they last longer yeah on the um, spermdonationworld.com website we've got a, a all the a big I've done a big blog that I've collected over the years from a lot of data and a lot of people's like and even little urban myths to Chinese calendars and all that sort of stuff that people believe you know the Chinese calendar is interesting it's like if you have sex on this day and you have a boy but then people are born with twins and one's a boy and one's a girl so or if you put the bed this direction and yeah yeah I just would like to know from a religious standpoint like did you grow up religious at all like what are your beliefs as far as that goes i'm not religious at all the first time i ever went to church i was probably 12 11 or 12 years old and that's because it had a skate park that was connected to it and if you went to church you got to go to the skate park for free otherwise you had to pay money so that was why i went and we rocked up late as well and that's the only time i've ever been to church for me 
I just live my life with good values. You know, you can set your own time devotions to certain areas and all that. But for me, I think my time's better spent in terms of helping people in, in this way and inspiring people to have families. You know, you know, there's been thousands of families born now, not directly from my help, but indirectly from my help from setting this up. And for me, that's just as special in a lot of ways compared to the, the, the families that I have helped, that people have you know, being open-minded, that people are now considering their child's well-being rather than being paranoid first about a risk of legalities and all that sort of stuff. You know what I mean? Like the getting their priorities right in terms of what's more important, your child's psychology or the small risk that you might be taken for in terms of child custody or child support and all that sort of stuff so people are now seeing it starting to come to fruition you know the clinics are worried especially in australia because men are no, want, no longer wanting to donate there anymore they'd rather pick who they help online and vice versa and it's better for these children so you know at the end of the day we don't want children growing up being sad and from who they are and as a parent i wouldn't want those children to grow up feeling like their life is lessened or cheapened in any way. So yeah, we just got to consider the children first and then ourselves second. There's children now in donor conceived groups that know each other and they've got a big group chat. They're all, they're all in a big Facebook group and they post and talk and they're having online conversations throughout the day, every day. Like So technology is loud that connection but it's all about setting up that connection or ability to have that connection by having a donor that knows who is helped you know if you don't have if you don't have a gatekeeper that has that information then no one can be connected and you and then you're relying on your 23 and may results and hoping someone else does it or comes across it and some people don't come across it they don't conceive and then they're dealing with the heartache of trying to navigate trying to tell them that your parents use the donor and some of them are very naive and that and then they're dealing with their emotional, you know, it takes a lot of fun out of it. But being a donor conceived person, a lot of people love it if it's done the right way. I think we've got to put our own insecurities behind us as, as parents and adults and think, well, what benefits or what fun or excitement can that bring would that bring to our children's lives do you want your children having a great life where they experience great things and great opportunities and being able to travel the world and have free accommodation here and there it's really quite magical if you look at it in a positive uh, mind frame so you did mention that you have been reached out to by different television networks is that something that you would want to star in what would that look like for you very open each company's got their own little diversity now is a big thing they you know when they come to you they talk to you we go we've got to get hispanic we've got to get african-american we got to oh we've got to get someone that's jewish or we got to you know there's got to be a diverse because everyone's paranoid now about casting one particular type and in some countries, obviously, if there's more Caucasians, like say in Australia, we're predominantly Caucasian based or some racists obviously got religious and cultural beliefs that being a donor is not something that they're more likely to come out on TV and speak about and do. So, you know, it's hard to find those people willing to do that. Whereas you might have all this talent here, but it's from a particular one race with, with this, these days, everyone, you know, everyone wants to get a bit of representation, I guess. And this COVID situations made things very hard as well. To begin with, there was a lot of things that were trying to get over the line. Uh, there's insurance issues of networks for no longer filming because they're worried about insurance and someone died from COVID and, and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. I think it would be a very interesting show. There could be many different spin-offs as well that I've been jotting down and, and writing ideas is about and and all that sort of stuff as well because i like to be quite creative obviously i do the sperm donation world podcast that talks about all different people's stories you know their different backgrounds 
you know, whether a recipient, a donor that's helped many kids have families, you know, why they do it, stories of people having clinical issues where embryos been destroyed, picking someone with HIV to um, be I listened your donor to that as one. well. Yeah, that was and, interesting. Yeah, so there's all these different perspectives and elements out there. And by having it there, people can scroll down, pick the episode they that resonates with them or likes, you know, a lot of the single mothers by choice episodes get listened to quite a bit because there's a lot of single mothers out there wondering if that's something that they can do or should do or, and, and they want to hear how other women have done it. You know, the, the way you got to look at it is, you know, everyone's worried about legalities and custody issues and that, but the way history is going now, especially in Western civilizations is divorce rates over 50%. So if you're having a child with someone, that's a flip of a coin that you're going to be in a custody battle. So if you look at it that way, if you use a donor, you know, you might have thousands of coins that you can flip that give you the chances. The chances of that happening through a donor are well, well, well below than traditional ways of having children. Do you have a better axe? We don't really have much to do with each other. I call my child directly now. And then, yeah, they decide when they want to come over. Like, you know, we're picking up from school today, um, have them for the weekend. Do they ever feel like jealous or no they 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 want to meet more you know they want to see more they they obviously feel that good connection as well they're obviously the older ones you know they got photos of them holding babies and you know them holding them and that and they love it you know they love it and and it's it's good to see that love you know it's good to see that warmth you know because that's the thing you know people grow up and you get to school you know the school bullying and all that sort of stuff and if you had some siblings there that have got your back that you can talk to, that can stop teen depression during those years as well. So you were finding that kids uh, don't concede that have those network groups that supported them, are having a great upbringing as opposed to those who haven't been able to have that opportunity. Why do you think you're so drawn to that community? Well, I think the world's changing. And I think it's a lot of us is trying to hold on to old values you know I love the idea of getting married once and having my children with the one person and growing old together and I only wanted to get married and and live happily ever after you know we grew up watching Disney fairy tales and we all get that brainwashed into us and that worked once upon a time realistically now our expectations of what was brought in, brought up with us as opposed to what we're living with now you know, in terms of high divorce rates and all that, you know, a lot of these children are growing up with bad qualities now because they're seeing their parents fight. You know, they're seeing their parents fight between each other. Or, you know, they go see your dad because he doesn't want to see you. Or, oh, I never said that. Or, I do want to see you. Or, you know, oh, is my mum lying? Or is my dad lying? Or is this, that, you know? Or my dad calls my mum a bitch. Or, you know, listen to some of your podcasts. I think your, 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 your dad, like, probably like my parents as well, would have those old school values. But the reality is he's thinking from how it was when he was a child, not considering the technology and, and the education and, and all that sort of stuff that's evolved, especially in the last couple of decades. It's always changing and evolving, this digital age. Do you age. think, though, that anyone can be a good parent? Do you think that anybody should be afforded that opportunity? You know, we're looking at now that a lot of the women who are highly educated, they keep pushing career progression, career progression, career progression, and then all of a sudden they find themselves in the mid-30s, 40s, not having a child. A lot of people are missing out on having children now, and that's not allowing them to pass those values onto a person that didn't never work from the age of 20 and pumped out four or five kids. They could, these kids could be loved, but are they going to be shown what hard work and dedication is in terms of like working? I mean, I'm not trying to be judgmental here or anything, but like obviously different people can pass on different values 
you know, your dad would have taught you a lot on based on, and you would have a lot of values, whether it's religious, whether it's political, your opinions would be based on a lot of what your parents put on you. And But what we're saying is we're saying these women now, they get to 30, 40, they've been career progressed all the time. They've got their own house, they're stable. They're not just going to go and have a one night stand or get in a relationship for two months and have a child because they're biological clock. So the logical choice for them would be to choose a donor where they control that destiny and they don't have to rush into a relationship. And then if they find someone later down the track, great. What do you want to ask my dad? If you were a donor, based on your current children, what qualities do you think you'd pass on genetically to any potential born children from your donations? Which qualities do you wish that you didn't pass on to your current children? Yeah. Wow. I love no that question. That. That's so interesting. Can I ask you that? Like, are there things that you wouldn't want to pass on and things that you would? That's so interesting. So I bought a PlayStation 5. I didn't go on the waiting list or anything. I just went to the store. The local retailer there had some in. I said, oh, you got a PlayStation 5? And they, because normally there's a waiting list for it. And they go, I go, oh, what's your waiting list? Because they normally have a cutoff of only 20 people that can go on it. And I, and I said, oh, I can go on the waiting list. And he's like, no, but you can have one. And I was like, okay, cool. All right, I'll get one. So I paid for one. But then it's been sitting there for months. I only opened it up so my children can play. But I would love to have a bit more time that I could just sit down and play something like, or, or take my mind off something and, and, and do something different. Like, obviously, this is what I'm doing now is, is consumes me in terms of work my children and yeah so it'd be nice to be able to disconnect for a little bit and and go off and just take up something because i mean like I, I play a game and then i don't play it for six months and i'm like oh what's the controls again it's interesting i'm very open-minded i like to take on new things as well like so for instance they go oh, what do you like doing and i'm like well what do you like doing let's go out there and try that and see if i like doing that you know like i'm not sort of one person that goes oh, i don't want to try this i don't want to do that and i don't you know i'm not a i'm not an adrenaline junkie that wants to go skydiving or get that rush but if i had a person there that said let's do that and i was there it's something that i'd be open to i know that the what i pass on is good health you know everyone lives to 90 plus i'm confident in that uh, i'm confident in my genetics that they're going to get there without minimal um, health complications along the way from my side anyway you know i don't know the other obviously you never know the other person's full scale and you know see so i back myself in that and yeah, I'm, I'm very mentally headstrong. Yeah, those qualities are things that I pass on. I, a lot of the children have qualities of like, they love animals and they're caring. And obviously I'm caring because this is a community that I've brought up to help so many people. So yeah, you can see that sort of passed on in, in that way. I'm not perfect, of course. But I think as a person, you always think about, you know, you always justify yourself as a good, everyone always justifies that you're programmed as a person to look in the mirror and think, you know, what you're doing or what your actions are are good. That's wonderful. How can people support you? Let people know how they can connect with you. www.spermdonationworld.com. That has the podcast. It has the links to the communities at Sperm Donation World on Instagram. You can Google me, Adam Hooper, and check me up and, and stalk me, I guess, and see if there's any controversial or bad articles about me out there, but um, they've all been normally pretty good. Thank you so much. And I hope you have a great rest of your day. And my dad's answer will be on the tail end of this. Now, let's switch it over to grandpa. He wanted to know what qualities do you think that you would pass on and what qualities would you not want to pass on? It's an interesting question. Certainly in our family, we have good looks. 
high intelligence, certainly persistence, and that beautiful fighting spirit. Okay, so these are all good qualities. But depending on how you're raised and your philosophy of things, these qualities can be enhanced or, as you know, can be become a negative as well. Having ethical and morality and a religious guidance also shape person's uh, destiny as well. There's many, many factors involved. What's interesting about the interview with you, Adam, is that you brought this up because you were having your second child, so you were married, and decided that hearing two lesbian women really wanting to have children and start their own family, and a lot of the drawbacks of a donor bank, that this stimulated you to helping those that can't have children be able to start having connections where not only does the, the donor help a person start their family, but also where you're involved in a group where it's like a family group to where uh, you're all going to be this happy-go-lucky uh, family and where siblings can meet each other and where it's a community of this. It's an interesting concept. But so far, my understanding is the way you had it work with your own family, that your wife certainly didn't buy into this. I'm not sure if your community of helping children, is it also helping your own ego where the mark that you're making is where you're involved in having multifamily. It is a little confusing. I'm going to give you a little pushback because you yourself wanted to have more kids and to maybe donate some. Isn't that funny? Because now that you've given me an example of it, as you know, uh, when your mom tied her tubes, I even looked into the possibility, I think I told you that, of starting again and making more children with other possibilities. But the fact is, is that you are really being selfish, okay? Because it's not just about what you want, it also has to be what your partner wants. And if you already are committed to her and made a family of three daughters, What do you do with the family that you've made and that you've committed to? What kind of influence are you going to be on your family if having other children was more important than the ones that you had? Very interesting concept, isn't it? It is. So it really still comes down to whose needs are we really satisfying here? Are we really doing a good deed to helping someone else have their dream come true? Or are we really satisfying our own ego? Thanks for listening to the Better Call Daddy Show. Now you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and TuneIn. If you've enjoyed this episode of the Better Call Daddy Show, please feel free to review it at ratethispodcast.com slash bettercalldaddy. Add Better Call Daddy Podcast on IG at Rena Friedman Watts on LinkedIn.com. 